0: Welcome to episode three of MUN AMA, the segment of Model UN Coach, where we answer questions from students, parents, and teachers about all things Model UN and beyond. My name is Frank Provichkiewicz. I'm the founder and director of All-American Model UN, and I've been involved in the Model UN community since 2004 when I was a high school student. I competed all the way through college, and now I'm a professional Model UN coach. Today, as always, I'm joined by our wonderful, esteemed All-American Model UN program director, Gabby McKay.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: How are we doing today?
1: I feel quite splendid is going to be my adjective of the day today.
0: I think that's a great way to kick off this episode. Question number one. We have Barbara, a parent from New Jersey. She writes, my son loves model you one. He's been doing it for three years and my husband and I try to be as supportive as we can. He goes to conferences and he comes back on Sunday afternoon and immediately sleeps for the next 14 hours. The next day, when we try to talk to him about Model UN, the conversation usually goes nowhere. How do you recommend we talk to our son about what he does at Model UN conferences?
1: This is a good question. I think oftentimes what a lot of our parents that we work with tend to really struggle with in terms of coming to to get grips with is the idea of like why is my student so tired when they get home it's especially when it's like some is an activity it's marketed to be more academic more intellectually stimulating it's not like you know your student then just went to for example an athletic tournament so why are they so tired so this kind of comes the idea the way that i kind of see it is being able to meet your student where they're at at the end of the day four days in most cases of you know not only debating, being around new people, being in a bigger city, your sleep schedules off, you know you're comp- you're competing from like 9 a.m to like 9 p.m all these other things you know amalgamate into a very large just like weight that's like taken off of your shoulders you know the second that you walk out of the conference facility on Sunday. My best recommendation and the way that my parents, at least how I still continue to talk about Model UN with my parents, is being able to say, you know, for starting off, was it a good weekend or a bad weekend? If it's a good weekend, sure. Ask questions, do whatever, celebrate good weekends. But if it's a bad weekend, understand that, like, Sometimes it's not about just doing your best and that being enough. Sometimes it genuinely is being out-competed, the chair not recognizing something important that you did, et cetera, et cetera. And understanding to be like, hey, I'm sorry that you had a bad weekend. That must be really frustrating. I'm here if you want to talk about it. But, you know, giving space to kind of, not to ruminate too deeply, but to allow the feelings to come to, a very content state where they're able to talk about it from a more detached, like factual, like fact-based approach rather than just being like screaming, frustrated, whatever, whatnot, because I've been through both and it would be a productive conversation as well as avenue to drive that relationship forward if it's more detached in some ways. So you're able to kind of reflect more deeply on the weekend and the progress that your student has made.
0: Barbara, let me start here. If this is happening, it's a good problem to have because if your student is coming back exhausted Mm -hmm. after a conference, it means he is performing at an incredibly high level. And that's something that you should be proud of. If they're coming back from a four day or three day model, one conference and they aren't exhausted. It means they were probably goofing around all weekend. But if they're coming back emotionally spent, it's because they were giving it their all good problem to have when your high school student is able to do something that high intense mm-hmm. academic for 3 or 4 days straight that said every relationship between a son daughter mom dad is is always going to be different so it's really hard for me to give any specific advice without knowing what type of relationship you have with your son
1: mm-hmm. but
0: i think gabby is definitely on the right track when it comes to Allowing there to be space. I I love that suggestion that Gabby gave. Ask whether it was a good weekend or bad weekend. Anyone who's done Model UN knows sometimes there's good weekends, Sometimes there's bad weekends, depending on what happened. And then allowing the student to direct the conversation. One specific tip I will give is to try to learn some of the jargon because the student puts a lot of effort into learning the jargon themselves. And it's hard to communicate when you're not using the same words so even specific things like when you ask him how was the model un that triggers so many of us i don't know why i don't know how that that developed in the community but we just say how was model un this weekend or how was the conference this weekend by putting just that little thing by calling it the model un it seems like you don't really care about the activity and i know that may sound really harsh and that's a really specific example Listening to how your son talks about Model UN and and really trying to correct your verbiage, even ask your son to correct your verbiage if you say something incorrectly, I think would be a great first step so that you can start communicating with the same words and the same vocabulary.
1: I agree. Um, Our next question comes from Steven, who is a high school model UN coach in Maryland. And he says, I am a high school model UN advisor who has been working with our schools program for just over two years. My students are really interested in branching out and trying fantasy and more experimental type committees, especially since their previous advisor wouldn't let them. Do you have any best practices on training students for a traditional committees? Or do you think it's even worthwhile to branch out into those types of committees, seeing the amount of success that we've had in more traditional ones?
0: Even no, stay away from them. Standing <laughs> committees are garbage 90% of the time. I know I get, I get pushback all of the time from the community. And people want to tell me that fantasy committees are good for beginners or fantasy committees engage students that are otherwise not involved in Model UN. If global politics is not interesting enough for you to do this activity, then maybe it's just not your activity. I agree with the former faculty advisor. Stay away from the fantasy garbage. Do Model UN for the sake of doing Model United Nations, not Model Harry Potter, Model Lord of the Rings model star wars because it devolves into just a contest about who knows the right spells or the names of characters and all of the actual skills we're trying to teach our students get flushed down the toilet
1: so stephen i have a very different take on this i don't tend to feel naturally as strongly as frank does about fantasy-based committees while garbage
0: you and you know it <laughs>
1: Well, I consider myself to be quite a big Harry Potter geek and probably would jump at the opportunity to do a Harry Potter committee. I will say, I think there is some value in allowing students to really try out new committees, especially ones that are going to push their, I think, thematic and conceptual frameworks of how they think about the activity, more broadly speaking. So you know, very often when we do very traditional types of model UN, whether it's you know the United Nations Security Council, whether it's like a disarmament and international security committee, dissect, et cetera, etc., etc., no matter what size, whether it's GA or crisis, we tend to think of model UN in the the pigeonhole idea of like we're finding a solution as countries. Then you know you expand out into courts and boards, etc., and even cabinets where you know you're individual and. It's it begins to kind of bridge that gap. But I think allowing students to really play around with what other kinds of ideas and thoughts can be debated or even resolved through the context of Model UN frameworks is really, really powerful. And I also think that, you know, it makes the activity more inclusive, I think, of the broader community and allows the activity to evolve in a way that it wouldn't if we just pigeonholed ourselves into just talking about international issues. So I think, you know, there comes a balance in terms of you're not going to put everybody into, you know, a Harry Potter committee, a Game of Thrones, a this, a that committee. You're not, and you shouldn't. You should really spread your, like, you should spread your eggs out in terms of we're going to use the basket analogy. But I think if you, like, if you decide... Hey, listen, at, you know, X and Y conference this year, there are, you know, one, two, three different, you know, fantasy committees. If you want to register for two of them or one of them and just put one or two people in there, go for it. Give people the opportunity to try new things, to fail at new things and to to build up more resilience. So I'm a fan of it in moderation, I would say.
0: Talking about it makes me nauseous. I hate everything. Oh,
1: drama. Drama. Not everyone can be an IAEA expert, Frank.
0: Well, why not? Everyone should be an IAEA (laughs) expert.
1: It would be pretty useful, all things considered. But I do know some people who've done very, very well in terms of almost exclusively doing fantasy committees.
0: (laughs) Question number three comes from Joel, a student in North Carolina. I started doing Model UN in eighth grade, and I didn't get it, and I definitely didn't like doing it. Since then, it's really grown on me, and I go to every conference that I can. My parents think I may be doing too many conferences. How many conferences should I go to, and how should I choose which conferences to attend?
1: Good question, Joel. And. Here's what's really interesting, I think, about the way that your parents approach the situation and something that we tell our students all the time is the idea of you don't want to over inundate yourself because at the end of the day, because Model UN is so subjective in terms of the framework that guides how awards are chosen, what's going to happen is the following. Say, for example, you go to six or seven conferences in a given year. From there, you know, maybe you do well at let's say two of them, you do okay at another two, and you do poorly at the last two or three. From there, you'll receive six or seven, depending on the number, varying counts of feedback from your chairs, of which are all going to vary drastically. And from there, you have to sort through all that information, say, what actually matters the most. What was, you know, just a symptom of me having a bad weekend or me not getting the topic? What was things that, what were things that were in my control? What were things that were outside of my control, et cetera, et cetera. And what makes that really challenging in terms of growth is then the idea of how do you sift through and adopt what makes sense and what doesn't. From there, I think a really solid number to hit is four to five. If you want to push it to six, give or take, I think if you spread it out enough across the year, but I think that four to five is a really, really good number. That way you can do a couple in the US, even if, for example, you were interested in trying international model UN, that's also an avenue. And I think that that also gives you enough time throughout the year to recuperate, to reflect on feedback and to mitigate burnout. With that being said, in terms of how to select... I think that that really depends on what you're looking to get out of the activity. If you're looking for just experience and just being able to practice, like, certain skills, I don't know if I would recommend, for example, going to only big East Coast conferences, for example, by nature of the fact of if you're in a G.A., You're probably only going to get two or three times, if that, to speak in a weekend. If you're looking to get those heart, like those skills down still, I would recommend maybe more small to medium conferences with one large conference tacked in there. If you're looking for that pure competitive standpoint, I say a couple mediums and focus on those big, large East Coast conferences. So I think it's really a matter of what you're still looking to get out of it. But I'm curious to hear what Frank has to say about it.
0: Yeah, I think for the most part, Gabby, I agree with you. I think we can both definitely state that not all conferences are the same. So that's what makes this a little bit of a tricky question to answer is you really have to parse out what style of conference you're attending and why you're going to that. Years ago, when I started All-American Model UN, I did this exercise of classifying all the conferences in this country into different categories. And in my mind, there are basically four or five different uh, categories. And this is not to make it a ranking these are just categories, they're all equal on their own. So the first one are the major conferences, that's what Gabby was alluding to. That's your your H HMUN by Harvard, uh, Almonk by Penn, Wyman by Yale, UChicago's Munich conference, Berkeley's BMUN conference, B- uh, Neyman Georgetown's conference in DC. Uh, these are really large, usually two to 4,000 person conferences, super competitive, four days, push it to your limit. If you do just those, if you did three of those conferences in a year, you may give up the activity because it'll be too much. Um, okay. Then you have what I consider the, the mid-major conferences. And these are the sweethearts. I think these are the stars of the Model UN community. These are conferences like rutgers Rumen, BU's Bosman, uh, mm-hmm. M- University of Michigan's Munham, um, University of Illinois puts on a great conference, Vanderbilt puts on a great conference. Johns Hopkins in Baltimore is another good one. Fougeman down in Florida, San Antonio model UN central Texas model. UN, both in, uh, in Texas, you'll find these all over the place. These are the two to three day conferences, somewhere between 600 and 1400 students. I think those are the highest quality. You'll have the most creative committees, the most chance to speak in front of uh, a sizable committee. Those are really the stars. Um, then you have the, the more regional conferences. These are the two to 400 person, two to three day conferences. This can be something like UConn's conference, Mun UConn or Mun hosted by Delaware. There's a bunch of these conferences scattered throughout the United States. Take a look at those. And then there are the single day conferences. And there's nothing wrong with a one day conference held locally on your high school circuit where you can try out a different topic, a different country, a different style of committee, a different style of debate so general advice i would give is on average no more than one conference every four weeks i don't think you can properly prepare for a mid-major or major conference with less than four weeks of preparation we all know people that wait to the last minute or they think because they're a senior they don't have to do the preparation gabby's smiling right now because she's thinking some of our seniors from last year that didn't do the preparation and then one okay. of verbal and wondered what the heck happened. Well, you didn't prepare, Chief. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, so that's how we would go about choosing conferences. And that's not even to touch on other things like finances and other activities and scheduling conflicts and family obligations. So it's really complicated. But I think that's part of the pleasure and advantage of doing Model UN is you get to flex your muscles on a whole bunch of skill sets, including personal time management and scheduling. Mm-hmm. And those are skills that are gonna benefit you for the rest of your life.
1: I agree. Our next question comes from Samuel, who is from Wisconsin. And he says, my older brother does college model UN. So I've recently been exposed to Bastel's all-star team and just rankings more broadly. So my question is, why don't they do that for high school? And do you two think that they should start doing something like that for high school, seeing that they're becoming more similar? <laughs> for those of you who can't see, Frank is definitely has some thoughts and feelings about it, which he's demonstrated, but he'll get into it. <laughs>
0: I have to be so care. This is a, a question. There's not often that I have to tiptoe around a question. I, I don't mind giving my full-throated opinion at, at any given time on any given topic. This one's really tough. Um, Best Delegate, who whose co-founders I know I competed with against college, both really great guys. Best Dell is a, a stellar organization in the Model UN community. They used to do high school rankings. For years, and, and that was one of the things that put Bestel on the map, was their high school rankings. They would rank the top 100 schools in the country. Let's start off by saying, number one, doing this type of subjective ranking is really, really difficult. Because again, not a centralized activity, which means you have to go to every conference to try to get their awards. You have to hope that the awards that you get are accurate. And then you have to develop some sort of methodology, independent of what the conference awards are, Try to figure out what the rankings are. And then what's the point of the ranking? What teams are you trying to say should be emulated? Are those the teams that go to the most conferences and therefore acquire the most points via individual awards? Is that what you're trying to push everyone towards? I don't think that's the right approach. Do you want to award teams and rank teams higher that bring more students that just have larger teams? Um, You know, that could be a factor that you consider. But the more people you bring, the bigger the budget the school must have for Model UN. So figuring out a, the right methodology is really, really difficult. Do I think there should be rankings on the high school level? I actually do. I think there should be rankings, but I don't think it should be like college football rankings where it's one through 20 or one through 100. I think there should be different tiers, maybe a, a red, white, and blue tier um, or a sec gen diplomat and ambassador tiers, whatever it may be, to try to recognize. I I think that recognition is a really powerful tool. I think that's why high school programs really got up and running about 15 years ago was because Bestell was ranking. And when you can go to your school board and say, hey, we have a top 10 program in this country, you tend to get more resources that float your way So I think there are really good external benefits. I think there are also really negative internal consequences if rankings are done incorrectly, if they aren't seen as legitimate, if schools use them purely to gain points over another school, that's also not healthy. So it's a really complicated subject. I think we may need to explore this a little bit deeper, Gabby, but I'll pass the mic over to you and see what your thoughts are here.
1: So I think to a certain capacity I'm in a bit of a similar camp but I will say and my reason I think for more broadly whether or not I, or why I'm a bit more undecided than you are Frank is the idea that model UN is a continually evolving activity. And I'd like to think of it on, you know, a pendulum where, you know, there are times where it shifts from the more collaborative, really just like diplomatic friendly approach to then, you know, the ultra competitive and so on, so forth. Maybe that quintessential power Dell that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. But my bigger thing here is the idea of there are so many considerations that need to be put in place that probably don't need to be, as opposed to, for example, its college counterpart, where they're just by nature very a, a lot smaller of a group of schools that are competing, and there is a more uniform methodology across the board, et cetera. Et cetera. So in a lot of ways, I think if it was done correctly long term, it could make a lot of sense for the high school circuit to adopt rankings. It would also be a really great way to highlight schools doing, you know, really good things in the community. But I'm not quite sure if the time is now, especially seeing that I think there's a big shift that's happening on that pendulum. And I'd rather I'd rather see that kind of play out and really kind of do its thing before, you know, running and jumping to doing these rankings and then for like, to your point, Frank, like having that, like politic, like politicization, or even just like funky vibes, for, like more colloquially speaking, surrounding the ranking. So I'd say I'm a bit undecided, but definitely see the positives.
0: Really good question, though. Really complicated subject to try to to answer in a a short period of time.
1: Mm-hmm. Do we have any other questions, Frank?
0: That is it on our end. I think we are all out of time for today, Gabby, but can you do us a favor and read us out?
1: Happy to. Model UN Coach is a production of All American Model UN. Have a Model UN question or even a random question about school, life, or beyond. Email us a note or voice recording to hello at allamericanmun.com. Remember to subscribe to Model UN Coach wherever you listen to podcasts.